Welcome to My Life Chassidus Applied, episode 446. This program is a merit of Baruch Binyamin ben Menucha Lana and Miriam Bashchaya Sar Altes, Yukasil ben Leir Rochel and Rochel Baslipa Farkas, dedicated by Pinchas Todras ben Miriam and Sarah Bas Rochel Altes. Today is Bez Ir, the second day of the month of Ir, the 189th anniversary of the birth of the Rebbe Marash, the fourth Chabad Rebbe. He was the seventh son of the Tzemach Tzedek, the youngest son, and uh, he was born on this day, the year Tovkuf Tzadik Dalet, which corresponds to 1894. So let's begin with the most obvious question of all. Why was he named Shmuel? As someone writes, who is the Rebbe Marash named for if there was no ancestors in the family named Shmuel? So there's a story. On the day of the bris of the Rebbe Marash, so the bris usually you do in the morning, but the Tzemach Tzedek did not come out of the bris yet, so it was delayed on that very day. They're waiting and waiting. Then in the afternoon, the Tzemach Tzedek came out, and he was heard saying, Ay, the Chevre Kaddish in Plotsk. And then the bris happened, and the, Rebbe, and the Tzemach Tzedek said to name him Shmuel. Chassidim asked, who is he named after? So Rebbe Tzemach Tzedek said, he's named after a water carrier in Plotsk. When they checked out what had happened and why it took time for the bris to take place, so they checked out that that day, that morning in Palutz, two people passed away. One was a choshveid, a distinguished individual, and the other was the, was the water carrier. The Hevra Kaddish first dealt with the distinguished one. They buried him. And then when they finally got to the, the water carrier in the Palutz, it was already in the afternoon. And being that you don't name someone, after another person, till after they're interred, till after they're buried, the Samach Tzedek waited. But I was not able to find out why Tafka, this person, was Zeichid, that the Reb Marash should be named after him. So if anyone has more information on that, please, by all means. What we do derive from this, what we take away from this is that sometimes Tafka Reb is named after another great Rebbe, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, a great person, and sometimes... It may not be someone that seems great in Giluim on a, revel- a revelatory level, but that doesn't mean the person isn't great. And for some reason, this person was Zeche. And I don't want to read more into it because I have not heard explanation. As again, that doesn't mean there isn't one. I, I looked around, but there's always possibility there's a story, a Sikha, somewhere that talks about this some more. So, as usual in this program, as I like to believe that this is a partnership, my life chassidus applied. We're looking all of us together to figure out how to apply chassidus to our personal lives, which is the whole purpose of chassidus is to bring it into our integrated and internalize it. So let's do this together. If anyone has any sources or any information on this, please share it with me. Go to chassidusapplied.com. There's a forum there. Firstly, where you could ask any question completely anonymously, but that doesn't mean you have to be anonymous. <laughs> Um, in this case, 
if you'd like, you could still be anonymous. In this case, if you'd like, you could also leave your email address. I actually prefer that people write anonymously so then the questions can be asked without any hesitation, there are no taboos, no, uh, no concerns of, uh, of exposure, so to speak. But this doesn't mean if you, don't want, if you want to write your email address, you want us to stay in contact with you, please do so. So this is a good opportunity to announce mixidasupply.com is a robust website dedicated to this program and to many other resources of Chassidus. Should also mention there are other classes that I give once a week, once a day, every week. I give every weekday a class in Ayim Bays, which you can, which is a live class every morning in New York time, nine thirty a.m. On Sundays it's ten a.m. And uh, you go to chassidusapply.com, you can see all the information how to join that. Okay, back to Bezir. So that's the the, the story. Now we also know Bezir is Teferes Shabbat Teferes. What is the significance of the Rebbe Manash being born in Tiferes Shabbat And is there a correlation to the central theme of his leadership, which was Lechatchila Ariba? Okay. So there's another story. A few years later, when the Rebbe Manash was in Cheder, was learning with his, uh, with his teacher, with his Rebbe, with his Malamed. So his Malamed was, was Nispal, was very excited and very impressed by the Rebbe Marash's aptitude and his success in his learning. And when he mentioned something to Samach Tzedek, his father, the Rebbe Marash's father, Samach Tzedek said, what's this pilus? Teferes, Shabbat Teferes. What's the excitement that they're talking about someone that was born Teferes, Shabbat Teferes. So we know Chassidus Teferes is the third Midah, the third Sfirah, which corresponds to the third week of Sfirah Se'emer. Teferes, Shabbat Teferes is the third within the third. Now, Teferis is a unique midah. It's a unique sphere. It's the Kavam Tsoi. It's called the middle path. And the language of Chsidis, based on the Posuk, uh, by the Mishkin, it says Teferis is, is the Briya Chatichen, the middle rod, that extends and runs from one end to the other. The Mishkin, when they attach the walls, so there were Brichim that attached one wall to the next, but to create an equilibrium like a spine, so to speak, in the human body, there was one briyach that ran across all the walls that created that steadiness of all the walls being consistent. So in Ruchnius, what this is, to Ferris the Kavam Tzvay, Chesed is the right side, Gvura is the left side. Same thing, Chachmem being the right and left. To Ferris is the Kavam Tzvay, like the spine, that runs up to Das, and all the way up to Feras Eila Ad HaKeser. Goes all the way up to Keser. And also down to Yesod and Malchus. So in that sense, the Feras is rooted in a place that's even higher than all the other spheres. What does that mean in Aveda, in our personal service? The Feras refers to Rachamim, compassion. Chesed says, be kind. Gvura comes and can challenge that and said, one second, this person may not deserve to be kind to. He did something wrong. And Teferes listens to both and says, it may be that you're right, Gvura, but we have a thing called compassion. Compassion overrides Gvura. And therefore, compassion, we say, the 13 divine attributes of compassion, what God revealed to Moshe when he was on Har Sinai, Mount Sinai, begging for the Jews. And finally, Yom Kippur was granted the day of forgiveness. Yom Kippur, Yom Kippurim. That's the power of Teferes that was able to reach to the deepest levels all the way 
to the highest levels in Kesser. I remember beautiful Sikha connected to the Reb Marash. So it was on Yud Gimel Tishrei, Tov Shin Mem. Gimel Tishrei is the Reb Marash's yard site. So on Tov Shin Mem, a very powerful Fabrengen, among many things, a lot of Giluim, interesting Fabrengen to listen to. It's on recording, so worthwhile listening to so many different aspects of it. But I, I want to point out one. The Rebbe told the story, a Sikha from the Friedrich Rebbe, where he talks about that the Rebbe Marash was once um, speaking and talking about the Rabbeim, and he said that the Rabbeim correspond to the Sphiris. He said, the Baal Shem Tov and the Magid is Keser. Atik and Arich. The two levels in Keser, which is the transcendent level in the spheres. Keser, like the crown. The Alter Rebbe is Chochm. The Mitla Rebbe is Bin. The Tate, meaning the Tzamech Tzadik, is Das. And then he concluded and said, an Easter, and now we have to travel to father, my father and hear what's happening. And he went to the oil. His father was in the oil. So the Rebbe asked the question, what's the connection? First he speaks about the spheres, about his father, and then he says, now we have to go to my father. So the Rebbe said, because the Tzemach Sadik is Das. Das is also the middle path. And Das is Eila Hadakesa. If you want to know what's Tutsach, What's really happening behind the scenes? You need to go to Kessa, so you need to travel to Das, to my father, to find out what's going on in Kessa, in the hidden worlds of what's happening behind the scenes. Now, the Friedrich Rebbe in that Sikha continues, and we know that the next generation is the Rebbe Marash, is in this context actually Netzach, the Rebbe Rashab Hoid, Friedrich Rebbe Yisod, Yosef, and the Rebbe, as we know, Malchus. Which, of course, begs the question, you just said that Reb Marash is Teferes, Shabbat Teferes. How does that stim with the fact that he's Netzach? So that's for another time, a good question. I've not seen it asked, but it's an interesting thing to point out. But regardless, he's the sphere of Netzach as a Rebbe, but he was born in Teferes, Shabbat Teferes. So the point I wanted to make is that Teferes has the special connection to uh, Das, which is also interesting that the Rabbeim, when you talk to Reb Marash, we skip Chesed Gvura Teferes. It jumps straight from Das to Netzach. Now we know Netzach, Chayd Yisoyed, is like our branches of Chesed, Gvurit, Teferis. They're the more behavioral aspect of those emotions. But still, why Dafka Netzach, Chayd Yisoyed, and not Chesed, Gvurit, Teferis? And perhaps that's also connected to the discussion that needs to be had. So I'm pointing more questions. I'm, point, I'm, I'm emphasizing more questions than answers, but it's for another time. But it's just interesting to note. So Fetishab and Teferis is the point we want to make. And yes, of course it's connected, and the Rebbe, I believe, connects it in a number of sikhs to Lechadchil Ariba. So let's talk about Lechadchil Ariba. Lechadchil Ariba, just for the record, is based on an expression from the Rebbe Marash. The Rebbe Marash famously said, he said, the Veldzokt, the world says, that when you're faced with an obstacle, if you're faced with an obstacle, first you try to go below, meaning get below the radar, so to speak, below the obstacle. And if you can't, then we go above, we leap above. When the Ichzog, the Marash says, I say, that we initially, the first step we go, we leap above. This was an expression that Rebbe Marash used. The Rebbe was actually that coined it as being the muhus, the personality of the Rebbe Marash, that his whole Nesiyas, his leadership was on that level. 
Whereas the Tzemach Tzedek, for example, lived more meager ways. Any gifts he received, he gave to the Reb Marash. The Reb Marash lived much more Bar more expansively. Not, God forbid, in a, in a material way, because he was the Chatechil Ariba. is a particular approach, which means that usually you go with a certain measure, with certain calculations, but then there's an approach to Chatechil that you leap over and you take an attitude that you don't even consider the obstacle in the first place. The first approach with the world says, Elam, Eloshin, Helen, Vahestad, as the Rebbe says, from the world's expression of concealment, it's, it's always it's, it's, um, calculating and trying to figure out a method how to deal with an obstacle. And he says, no, no obstacle. Which the Rebbe used so often also in expressions to people, you should go to Chatechila, which of course consistent with Teferis, because Teferis goes all the way at Ariber. It crosses through Chesed Gvura, through Chachmabina, goes straight to Chesed because it's the Kavam Tsoi. And Teferis, Shepet Teferis, is in Teferis itself the essence of Teferis, which is also why Teferis is the third, the third path, the middle path, because it's also beauty, which is the harmony within diversity. Teferis also means beauty. So whereas Chesed would be associated, let's say, with the color blue or whitish blue, like water and Gvura with the color red like fire. So, so Teferis creates beauty, it's the harmony, many colors together. Beauty is always never one color, never one you, never one musical note. It always takes many different things and shows how they all connect to something greater. So it's like a synergetic effect. And that too is connected to the Chathil Adibar, Teferis going straight to the core. In our lives, it means there are things we do that are measured, that we have to consider, we have to negotiate, we have to deal with whatever factors are around us, and that's important. But there are times where an obstacle has to simply be ignored, an obstacle that stops us from reaching our potential, an obstacle that really weakens our resolve. So Chathil is not being uh, reckless, God forbid. It's not being frivolous. It means it's an approach where you know that God is with you, and that when you take, take, yourself, take upon yourself an important resolution, sometimes you just need that thing to forge ahead and just move all the way to the point where you are able to accomplish it without all the sitting and calculating what the animal soul has to say, what this resistance has to say. But again, with discretion, this doesn't mean that you just walk over everybody. This may explain, perhaps, but also connects to Netzach. That's what Netzach is, a determination. Like we learn in the Maimar of Basilagani, Midzisan also rooted in the highest levels. Because Midzisan the determination, the absolute commitment that we must succeed. So, of course, this means in Yonik Dusha, in holy matters and good things that you take on, you put a certain persistence that drives through and does not consider obstacles in the way. I remember when I was a child that left me such an impression. It was Tavshin Chav Zayin. The year was 1966, Sukkot. And it was raining the whole Sukkot here in New York, in Crown Heights. As a child, I remember, raining, raining. We know it's Chabad, we eat in a Sukkot even when it rains. And the Rebbe, who had Fabrengans then, in the Sukkot, near 770, had a Fabreng the second day of Sukkot, and Shabbos Chalamayt Sukkot. And that was the custom. So though it was pouring rain, the Rebbe had a Fabreng. I remember as a child walking into the Sukkot, I was back of the Sukkot, the Rebbe was sitting, I couldn't hear, 
pouring rain, pouring to the point where the, the schach was saturated, it was already globs. Everybody was standing there, obviously because the Rebbe was fabring. The Rebbe completely oblivious. Later I heard that it came after the second sikha when the Rebbe said the Maimer. So what Maimer did he say? V'shaft the Of course it's a Sukkot's Maimer, but uh, no one <laughs> didn't, uh, it wasn't lost on anyone, the, the irony. V'shaft the and that we draw water with joy. And the Rebbe continued fabring. Well, the impression that it left on me, a little impressionable child, was, I mean, that, I, this I explained today as an adult in retrospect, the Rebbe didn't have to fabreng. It's not like a mitzvah to fabreng. This is custom to do so. And even if you fabreng, you can fabreng inside and not drink, even water. No, but this was the minic. It doesn't matter, rain, snow, it doesn't make a difference. You know, we know there's a concept of rain date. To me, this epitomized the chadchila ribar. And it had an impact on me, actually, till this day. That things I took upon myself to do, to teach this program. I give a Wednesday night class for over, over 40 years. That no matter what, rain, shine. I remember even after 9-11, when there were no ways to get to Manhattan, I got there one way by another, through Midtown Tunnel. Not to get the, the details. But the point is that when you take upon yourself something good, there's always going to be an excuse. This person had a cold under the weather, over the weather, it's bad weather, it's raining, whatever they may be, never stop. Because it has that persistent power, the drop by drop. The umaza, the opposite of Chinese water torture, the story of Rabbi Akiva, how the drops of water ultimately pierce through the stone. can imagine that power. So it's a power of Netzach, it's a power of L'Chadchil and a power of Teferes Shepet Teferes. So one of the lessons we learned from the Rebbe Marash whose birthday is today. Mazole Gever, of course, the Rebbe Marash is chassidus. So the Rebbe Marash was the first to create Hemshechim. Until the Rebbe Marash, there were Maimorim said, individual Maimorim by the Rebbeim, and ta- there were times, many times, especially the Alter Rebbe said a discourse and then said a beard on the discourse, an explanation. Sometimes an explanation on the explanation. A second beard, but Hemshech, Hemshech means a series of discourses. It was the Reb Marash that innovated that. Hemshech Ma'im Rabim Tofresh Lamed Vov, the Hemshech Vekoche Tofresh Lamed Zayin, Matzazu, Zeis Chanukah Samizbeach, and others as well. Yenossi, Hemshech. The Reb Rashab took that to another level with the Hemshech of Samach Vov and Ayim Beis. But the idea of a Hemshech, which is interesting as well, there's a certain type of intensity an expansion of chassidus, simply, you can even see physically, but also an understanding that means a topic is being addressed extensively over a period of weeks and months till we get the idea very clearly. And among other things, the Rebbe Marash was, of course, unique in so many other ways. Every Rebbe has his unique power. I'll mention one more thing from the Rebbe Marash that we know besides L'Chadchila Riber, that the Rebbe Marash... <clears throat> um, so suffered greatly, personally, physically, and he and indeed passed away at an early age. And yet, there was that l'chadchil aribar approach, meaning that even though he personally had many challenges, he was able to transcend it all. Transcendence, that key word. So you have many stories and many different aspects of that that teach us how we have to deal with our personal lives, even though no one can compare to Rebbe, but we all have a main, a taste, 
and of course the lessons that we learn from the Rebbe Marash. The Rebbe was also in the, unique in the fact that he, wrote the, he himself wrote the biography of the Rebbe Marash. Sefer tells Rebbe Marash, the Rebbe himself wrote and published, which is also interesting. So there's a unique connection between the Rebbe and the Rebbe Marash, as we see also in the many different sikhs and memorim of the Rebbe over the years. Okay. So with that, let us go now to, since we're talking about Bezir, let's talk about Ir in general. So Bezir comes after the Shchedish year, which was yesterday. Um, so we know what is the significance of Ir. What lessons do we learn from Ir? So Ir has two, two Rosh Tevis, two acronyms. Ani Hashem Refecha, I God am your healer. And the second is Avram Yitzchik Yaakov Rachel. So depending whether the year is written with two yuds or one yud, even, even in Hashem, Hashem also sometimes written two yuds as we see in the Siddur. So what's the connection to Ir? So firstly, remember that in the month of Ir, the entire month is dedicated to mitzvahs. Which mitzvah? The mitzvah of counting diamond. Counting diamond is a healing element. Because you're counting the Emir, as we say in the Yiratzen, to heal from all the toxins that affect Chesed all the way through Malchus. So in psychological terms, it means that this is a period in time of healing. Healing includes not just healing from an illness per se, healing is also character development, personality growth, which is what the Eden did as they counted down from going leaving Egypt to Matan Teda, leaving Mitzrayim to Matan Teda, you go out of Mitzrayim v'gvulim, that's why it says, all the machlas, the illnesses that were placed on them in Mitzrayim. Because Mitzrayim comes from the word limitations, constraints, all the things that inhibit fear, insecurity, all the things that limit us, that, that are ultimately a form of mental or emotional obstacles. Talk about obstacles. So the says, Not only will I heal you, but I'll heal you in a way as if you never had it in the first place. So the counting of the Omer is very much a process of that type of healing that we make our effort, then comes day 50, which is Matan Teda, where Hashem sends us His power. So we count the 49 days. So that's one connection. Another connection to Avram Yitzhi Yankov Rachel, which is like the Tal Zragli and Merkava, Chesed Gvore Teferes and Malchus, that we have that power of Avram Yitzhak Yankov and Rochel in the month of Ir, which is invoking the four spheres, these four powers in, in Atzilus, as I said, Chesed, Gur, Teferes, and, and Malchus, which means that from the Atzilus godliness, and Yashem, we're drawing into Refecha, into Malchus, which brings healing and power and transforms the world of Biyah, Briyatzirasiya, our material, our, our physical world, the material world that evolves from and we're being from the levels of Atzilus. So there you have the month of Vir has this power. So someone asked the question, we have a teaching of Chazal that the month of Adr is good luck. Mazoli gave it. Or body mazal is actually the expression. Bad luck. So if possible to schedule court cases for Adr is better. Yes, because in other you have that particular unique energy. Chassidus teaches the month of year stands for an Yashem Refecha. To Chazal discuss that since it's a month of healing, 
that it's a good idea to schedule doctor appointments and non-emergency surgeries during this month. I've not seen that. I am trying to remember if there are any letters from the Rebbe referring to anything like that. I know there are letters that the Rebbe writes on Yeshem Rafecha to people who are asking for a full shleman. But to actually schedule something during that time, interesting question. Again, I ask your help. If anybody has any source for that, I'd love to hear from you, and I'll share it in the next program. Okay. Being that this is also the week of Achrik Deshim, so let's talk about Achrik Deshim. So in the middle of Sefer Vayikra, Pasha's Achrik Deshim, which are two separate chapters, but they come together many years, like this year. As the Rebbe emphasizes, the names of a chapter are, um, indicate on the very theme of the chapter. So Achri Mois, Achri goes on, Achri Meish Nebne Arn. Then in Parsha Shmini, two chapters earlier, we read how after the temple was established and erected, what happened next? Nodavanaviyu, the great Nodavanaviyu, in their great passion and love, went into the Kedush Kedoshim and they ended up being consumed by Aizzara, by a strange alien foreign fire. So now, so Hashem tells Moshe, now after the death of the two children of Aaron, this is what you tell Aaron, here is how this is how you shall enter into the Kedush Kedoshim. And gives the details of Yom Kippur and all the process that's necessary that you want to go into the Holy of Holies, you have to know how to go in properly. Now we know Nodav view are considered to be Bekrevi HaKadosh. Bekrevi. Moshe thought when Hashem said Bekrevi, those that are close to me, I will be sanctified. When God said that, he thought it meant Moshe not. But no, it ended up being Nodav view. So this was, came from a great level. But yet in the language of Chassidus, in a mimer called Achle Moshe, Tofresh Memtes from the Rebbe Marashab, son of the Rebbe Marash, second son, there were three sons. He explains that the Bainad of Anaviyu, it came in a form of Rotze. They had a tremendous yearning and longing. But the Kavon is that it should be the intention, it should be a Shuv, that that great longing should come downward. Like by Rabbi Akiva, we say, Nichlis Bershalom Vyotze Bershalom. He entered into the Pardis with the other three. The other three had a Rotse without a Shuv. So one went mad. They had the spiritual experience. They went into the Pardis, the orchard, which is a spiritual level of ecstasy, spiritual ecstasy. And what happened was one, went, one died, like another Venaviyu, one went mad, and one became an apostate. Only Rabbi Akiva, Nichlus B'Shalom, Rotse, V'yotse B'Shalom, Shuv, because he entered in the proper way which is the proper bitl, And that's what this Pasha is about. So it's about not about not having these great spiritual experiences, it's about how to integrate and internalize them in our lives. Kudoshim, means to sanctify yourself. Similar theme. Not just to remain in a mundane world, not just to be a good person, a kind person, but to be a holy person. Kudoshim tiyu, Kikodesh Ani. Because I got him Kodesh. So the Medr says, Tedaskenim, on this, Pasik says, what's the addition, Kikodesh Ani? Kiyochel Kameni. You could think, Deshim, to you, 
you holy yachl kameni that you can be as holy as I. So we say no kodeshani kedushasi lemaylem kedushaschem. My God's kedusha is higher than yours. That's the simple interpretation. Comes the Baal Shem Tov and Taichas. If to read the Medrash bin Nechusa, not as a question but as a as a statement. Kedushim to yachl kameni, you can actually be kameni. Your kedusha could be as holy as my kedusha. God says, as my holy, as my great sanctity, my great being removed, Kedusha means also from being above, Havdola, removed, transcendent. Why? My Kedusha Lamaila comes from your Kedusha below. In a way, therefore, you're actually sanctifying me. You are able to do something, so to speak, so to speak, Kavyachal. That sanctifies that which is above. So it's a whole new interpretation, which isn't a contradiction to the first interpretation, because the first interpretation, obviously God is greater than we are. But that God gave us, that God that's greater gave us the power to sanctify him. That's the partnership we have. That's why the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem is such a powerful mitzvah. And the opposite, of course, is such a horrible, because when you, especially in public, that remains forever. People say, ah, this is a God I want to have a connection with. When someone, God forbid, desecrates God's name in public, Hashem, then you close them off because they don't want to have a connection with this. You don't know the, the long-term implications and consequences of that. So Achim and Mez come together because they're both the central theme of the power that we have to sanctify ourselves. So when the when the Kain Godl, the the holiest of all people, on Yom Kippur, the holiest day of all year days of the year, on in the holiest goes into the Kedush Kedushim, the holiest place on earth, each one of us has that same capacity, as the Rebbe explains. We say the Hirotzin on Yom Kippur, the Hirotzin that we should have the same capacity like that Kain Godl. So just like the Kain Godl goes in and his. Blessings, his prayers are answered, so should our prayers be answered. Like the Rambam Paskins, the end of Hilcha Shemitavievel, what does he say? Leishavid Levi Bulvat, not just the, the tribe of Levi, but call Ish Ve'ish Meboy Elam, every human being on earth that, that separates himself from the material world and dedicates himself to godliness. He sanctifies himself. Like the Gemara says, that a person who learns Teda, higher than a Kain Godel, higher than a Kain Godel that goes into the Holy of Holies. So it teaches us about our ability to reach places. People ask, how high can I reach? Based on these verses, based on these statements, the sky, not the sky's the limit, beyond that. From Kodeshani, we're getting this power to be able to reach these highest levels. So, of course, it's very consistent with the fact, with Bezir, the message of Bezir, there are no limits. There's really, the impossible is indeed possible. Okay. So, someone asks a question about Achir Gdeshim. Since only Neshamis in a physical body are able to do mitzvahs, why do we say, that after someone passes away, they are holy? 
it would make more sense to say that when someone is alive and doing Teda Mitzvahs, that, that they are holy. So this question is referring to, I guess, it's a uh, tongue-in-cheek uh, statement, euphemism, that is used when they eulogize, when they talk about someone after they passed away, they say, after he's passed away, he's only a holy person. It's actually sometimes almost a sarcastic statement about someone who wasn't so holy. You're saying after he passed away. So I don't know if I have to go explain a pisgim like that, especially one I did not hear that from the Rebbe. I didn't hear it from anyone that I would consider a Torah source. It's, one of the, it's a Yiddish joke that they say. So I don't know if that needs, uh, we have to give it any uh, credence and explain it. But I will say this, the actual meaning in the Pesukim is the exact opposite, as you indicate. Kadeshim Tiyu doesn't mean after you pass away. It means you shall be sanctuary sacred here in this world. And that's the whole purpose, Kadeshim Tiyu, you should be sacred in this world. And if you need to really drive the point home, it's a mitzvah on, on this earth. And if you, as I said, read the Ramban on the Pasuk. What does he talk about? He says, what is this Pasuk coming to add? We have many places in the Torah that says, be sacred. Shall be for me a kingdom of priests and Gei Kodesh and a holy nation. And it says, Sanctify yourself. A number of times in Pasha Shmini and other places. Ramban adds, interesting Ramban, that this is coming to specify something specific. There's the mitzvah of being sacred. There's also a mitzvah of not using Torah in an obnoxious way. He introduces the concept of a novel brashusa Torah. I'm not saying he introduces the person, but the, the, the concept that there's a novel. A novel is a manuvel. A manuvel is, uh, you can translate many ways. The mild interpretation would be someone obnoxious, someone disgusting, despicable. But Rishusa Torah uses Torah to dress up and to justify his behavior. It's Tater. The Tater says so. Someone behave in a very abusive way. The Tater says that person deserves punishment. Did the Tater appoint you to do it? So the Ramban says the person comes to address a very particular situation. People who are behaving in a maneuver way, in a vola, disgusting fashion. Everyone can interpret it as they see fit, but we find this unfortunately situations, whether it's people who are get refusers, or others who hurt others. Kavyochel, it's all dressed up in Teda. So the Teda is telling us a specific passage. Mind you, this is a thousand years ago, the Ramban. Even then he had to bavon such a thing. Imagine generations later. Not, not, we're not here to emphasize negative things, but it's important to know. So that tells you, G'deshim Tiyu is not after passing, it's here. It's where it's possible to be a, a maneuver. It's possible to behave in a, in a despicable way. It's possible to do things that are not so sacred. So we're talking be sacred. So I don't know where that, that uh, joke or that sarcasm comes from, you know, because it's not actual pshat. The bottom line is, yes, Achilik Deshim is talking about neshamas begufim, to sanctify ourselves below. In addition to the fact that neshamas above, even though they also go through alias elevations, but the real sanctity is, happens in a world where there's lack of sanctity. So yes, you have the concept tahirihi, all the way to the highest levels of Chassidus explains Tahiri law. But still, it's a um, the ultimate purpose is is not given to heaven, it's to sanctify this world and turn it into a dirabitahtenim, a home for the divine. Being that we're talking about um, 
transforming this world. Let's do a little follow-up about Chav Ches Nisan and Mashiach. Spoke about it more uh, more detail last week, but there was a little follow-up here. What did the Rebbe mean during the famous Chav Ches Nisan Sicha? The famous meaning referring to 28th of Nisan, 7511 So firstly, I spoke about this specific expression back in episode 194 and discussed also in episode 227. These episodes can be found at chassidahsupply.com. You can easily type in these numbers or you can type in by, by a keyword and find this topic more addressed more elaborately. It's just in general, you can find all the previous episodes there. They're all archived. And they're also time-stamped, which means you don't need to listen to the whole hour to get to the topic you're interested in, you just go below. Then the description, you'll find that there's actually each time, each is a breakdown of all, all the subjects covered, and each one has a timestamp, which means when you click on it, it goes straight to that part of the video. Okay. But I will say briefly the, this. And interestingly, let's connect it actually to the Marash, the Chedchilad is an expression from Kabbalah and Chsidis, where it says, Toyu preceded Tikkun, Toyo was a world of intense energy, especially sometimes Eris Merubim. Merubim means both Bekamas and Echus, intensity, many, powerful energy. And the Kalim Mu'atim, and the Kalim, the containers in Toyo are small, negligible, fragile. And that's why it caused Shvidus HaKalim, it caused a dissonance, that ultimately create the shattering of the containers, which isn't a physical thing. Think of it like when a person is overwhelmed or in a state of shock. So it creates a type of, of, of upheaval or disruption. But it's almanas seser, which means this breakdown is almanas livnes. It's in order to be repaired in the world of tikkun. That's why it's called tikkun, atzilus. Where there the eiris are more otim and kelim arubim. The eiris are more tamed. They're more disciplined. They're not as wild. They're not as, as uh, intense. And the kalim are more expanded, more mature. So therefore, the eris fit to the kalim. Think of a teacher who's brilliant and just pours on so many ideas that all the students get overwhelmed. Or a teacher who takes his words and manifests them, tailors them toward the student in a proper way, which is the key to communication and education and inspiration. That's tikkun. So the Rebbe was saying, Eres Merum Deteyu means that Eres Deteyu, yes, yeah, should be done with tremendous passion and intensity. But not in a way that's reckless, not in a way that is, can destroy, not in a way that will break anything and overwhelm anyone, but in Kelim Detikun. So you have the intensity of Tayu, but in the expansive containers of Tikun. So it also has that balance. Like we said before, doesn't mean reckless behavior, God forbid. It means don't consider the obstacles. Go with a certain, over, a certain confidence, with a certain drive and persistence. Don't give up. And do it in a way that's very passionate. Because that's how you succeed. 
But make sure it's in Kalim Datik and people can receive it. People can relate to it. Not in a way that overwhelms. Like it says in the Gemesech Tatainus, Reif Teva Eini Yechim Lekabal. That when Chenya uh, Magal prayed for rain, so the rain, after a famine, the rain came down in, in floods and it was flooding the fields. So you had to pray again, Reif Teva, too much rain. Rain has to come down in raindrops. Yes, intense. And water, you want to have that, but in raindrops that can be absorbed drop by drop into the ground. Okay. Combination of chesed and gvura, which maybe is also connected to teferis. The chesed is the flow. The gvura is the containers to make sure it's disciplined, it's properly channeled. Another question, could it be said that all the new technologies of artificial intelligence and machines and robots that can do a lot of our physical work for us is a clear sign that we are in the beginning stages of the era of Mashiach? For example, now we have Tesla cars that are driven by a computer. You just say the address you want to go to and it does all the work driving you there driving you there, and then frees up a lot of time for the person who have been driving. Now they could use that extra time to open a book and learn Torah. Are these kinds of technologies in the, messianic are alluded, uh, in the Messianic era alluded to by the prophets? Short answer is yes. When the Meyeshaya Novi says, that the world will be filled with divine knowledge as the waters cover the sea. So no, he doesn't talk about robots and machines and AI and technology, but now that we have technology, it becomes very clear how that can be fulfilled in a very simple way, a natural way, a scientific way, if you wish. So the answer yes, I meant, was not about the robots and machines. The answer yes is that, of course, the messianic era will be that. Madana Mitzim Ka'afra, says the Rambam, that we just concluded, cycle of learning of the Rambam, that the world will be filled. We'll find the lights will be plentiful like the dust in the earth. That, how plentiful. And what will we be doing? There no longer will be famine, no longer war, no longer distraction, no longer battle with darkness. So what do you do? You're busy with light. Technology definitely has freed us in so many ways from many menial labor and many menial activities, mundane save tremendous amount of time for the purpose that now we should use the time and the energy that we have. And indeed, these technologies are also directed there. I actually spoke about this a few weeks ago when I spoke about AI, how it's the beginning of a new age, a reflection of the beginning of a new age, I should say and uh, similar topics that relate to what we're, what we're discussing here. And that's exactly how we should look at technology. I can say from my own work, I've seen it with my own eyes. I began working with a typewriter back in the early 80s. Typewriter went to word processor, then came fax machines, then came broadcast fax, then came um, a, 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 I don't know if you remember this, bulletin board, a bulletin board system so it's electric, electric bulletin board. It was like a precursor, a prelude before the websites. Then came websites and internet, and then came all the other platforms that we have today. Being someone that's been working in the Rebbe Sichis and Maimorim, and later spreading it and distilling it and spreading it in every possible way, these technologies have tremendously 
I mean, it's not even, I can't even imagine how we reach people if we didn't have these platforms. So besides platforms being used for spreading data, it also saves a tremendous amount of time that we can then use for the purpose for which we were created. Instead of just for the means, which the means can now be done by machines and by technologies, and we can then use it directly for serving God and serving our mission in this world. Okay. Now let's talk about some other topics. A bunch of questions came in. Let's begin with... Okay, this is... As you know, this is a program which are committed to addressing every possible issue, even those issues that some others don't want to talk about, some things that are uncomfortable, sensitive. So here's something preferably I would not want to talk about, but... If someone wrote about it, so let's address it. Because it also has a lesson to all of us. And I just want to preface that when I read sometimes these things that describe a negative behavior by somebody, it's not meant to be, God forbid, Lashon Hara. First of all, we're not talking about any names. It's not meant to be just to talk about negative. It's about to learn lessons from what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And everything that happens is a lesson to all of us to be more sensitive. I mentioned before, Kodeshim you to be sacred, to be sacred. And that's something that you, the ultimate tale is that we should be people who walk with a certain dignity, a certain majesty, knowing that we're divine agents in this world. And sometimes people do things that are the opposite of that. So that's the context which I'm going to read this following question. The brief question is, and then I'll elaborate a bit. What should our attitude be to people plastering city bikes with images of the Rebbe? Recently, someone or a group of people have been plastering large stickers about Mashiach with the Rebbe's photo on it all over the city on public and private property, including city bikes, the subways, and light poles without permission. This has sparked a debate on social media. Some people are commenting that because it's done without permission, it's an act of vandalism and Nechil Hashem, and therefore it defeats the positive message of the Rebbe's teachings. Others are defending it, saying that there is vandalism all over New York City, so at least this is vandalism with a positive message, instead of the regular vandalism with foul language, as also in graffiti. They are also defending it by saying, before the Rebbe accepted the Nasius, whenever he rode the train or buses, he was known for leaving stickers on the seats of the train, which said, to spread this message. I looked for a source that the Rebbe actually did this, but could not find any. I'd like to ask Rabbi Jacobson if he heard the story of the Rebbe, and also if he could comment based on the Rebbe's teachings, if the Rebbe would find this behavior acceptable or not. Thank you. So unequivocally, this isn't a gray area at all. Unequivocally, absolutely not. Anything that is criminal, which means damaging someone else's property, altering someone else's property, that's considered illegal, chaz v'shalom v'chaz v'shalom. On the contrary, to justify it with, with, uh, with Kedusha is mamash the novel b'rishu satera that the Rambam is talk, Ramban is talking about. Not appropriate. Even if you're going to say you can't prosecute the person for whatever reason, what does it look like? It's the concept of maris ayin, people seeing it, chil Hashem. This is the way you want to advertise. Go buy advertisements. There's a way of publicizing something. As far as the story of the Rebbe, 
I, I don't know a source of it. The Rebbe stuck stickers. I have never heard it. I heard rumors of it, but I never heard any substantiated source. The most I heard that someone said, the Rebbe once showed that he had under his lapel, the Shabbos button, showed the Beryl Baumgarten or something like that, which some people think is some source of wearing pins. I don't know. But it's not definitely not a directive, and even the Rebbe himself personally did it, if it could be established. But this is the derech, to go and do things like this? Absolutely not. And I can't believe that the Rebbe himself would ever, someone should even be cheshed the Rebbe to do something, not al pi halacha. Halacha includes dinim achus the laws of the land. Just not a, not a teiradik away, period. There's nothing to say. To say because others do vandalism, might as well do vandalism with the Kedusha. I never heard such a hetan altogether. Since when is that a Torah approach? To me, it's reckless behavior. It's criminal behavior, actually. It's being dressed up as that. You want to go teach people about Mashiach? Make classes. There are many ways to do it. Go online, do a program like this, if you wish, other programs. There are many ways to reach people. We don't have to resort to things that are considered criminal and definitely appear as that. So I don't want to mince any words. I'm going to say it as it is. I think it's just simply misguided people who are probably have nothing to do with themselves. I mean, we know the Rebbe's approach to Bachim that not sitting and learning Torah all day. Where do they even find time to do such a thing? Where do part of the yeshiva say that if it's Bachim? So it's not the derech. It's not an approach. I have no doubt that the Rebbe would call in the Anhola and say that tell these Bachim to either correct their ways, pay back whatever they did wrong, or not peck the pack, pack the peklach and go back to wherever they came from. This is what the Rebbe said, but never people behaved in ways like this. And I think it's important. Now, is this our crusade? Am I going to come out now? It's my job to do since someone's asking me the question. And I have a, a platform, a public forum. I'm addressing this. So we should be crystal clear and understand these things. And this is not about the Mashiach, not Mashiach. And if someone pasted the same thing that was not Mashiach or something of another sort, that, it's the same idea. It's the same thing. You just don't do this. This has nothing to do with what the, the kavana, the intention and the philosophy and the ashkafa of the individual. It's just methods. Talk about eres de te and kelm de tikkun. Eres de te and kelm de tikkun. Yes, do things passionately, but in kelm de tikkun. I think I was pretty clear and enough said. Since we're ready on this topic, let's talk about fire and brimstone Judaism. I don't, actually, that, that to me is a uh, oxymoron. But we mean people who present Judaism in a fire and brimstone way. Is there any legitimacy to fire and brimstone Judaism attacking and criticizing others and suggesting that we are being punished for transgressions? Hi, dear Rabbi. This, is, this may be a two-part question or merge into one. The first part would be, what is the Hasidic approach to an advertisement that's headline is a race, the lace? And goes on to say that lace sheitlach is like chametz and should be burned or the like. Another ad saying in the lines of Bas Melech should not go out with a purse worn with a strap across the chest. Second question. How to approach a statement from a godel, quote-unquote, saying the reason for the recent terrorist attack that killed siblings is because women aren't covering their heads correctly and directed towards the lay shetel and similar. I'm not great at articulating my words. If you need clarification, please email and I'll try to expound. Looking forward to your response. Thank you for your time. Well, 
I'm glad this is all Pasha Kedeshim because the Pasha addresses all of this. Kedeshim to you. No matter what your intentions may be, you have to always think what's the, going to be the reaction of someone who hears this. I'm saying this to be Melamed Schus, even if the people who speak this way have good intentions. Especially if they're not necessarily good intentions, like the Samach Tzadik writes, that there are people who are achzorim by nature. They're cruel people, but they dress it up in Tera. Another novel, They're always first to punish others. So if I saw somebody who 24-7 was propagating love, unconditional love, finding schusim like Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and Jews, and once in their lifetime you see somewhat a subtle constructive critique, it's one thing. But when you hear certain people, that's all they have to say, and that's their main message. I think it's misguided. It's worse than misguided. It's distorting, Teira, and it's creating a wrong impression because they're, so to speak, Kavyochel speaking in the name of Teira. First of all, these are halachic issues that have to be addressed by rabbis. And different rabbis have different opinions. You're entitled to your opinion if it's halachic. But remember, there are other communities that may have different rabbis and they go by a different opinion. So just to have that tolerance is already alpitated. Not everything is according to what you, you don't have a monopoly on halacha, on how shaitl should be worn or other things like that. Secondly, the approach, even if you have something to say, why don't you say it in an inspiring way? Why don't you say it in a way that lifts people up, inspires people in a positive way? And to use expressions that something happened, a tragedy because of this, who gave anyone that right? When Ishaya said something negative about the Eden, he suffered a great consequence. Speaking on God's, on God's pupil of God's eye, Baba Senai. Who gave such anyone that right? There's only one God. He didn't appoint anyone here to be a shafet, a judge of all the other people. Look at yourself. You want to be introspective? Even with yourself, you shouldn't be that harsh. But if you want to ready... Look at introspection, look at yourself, and fix your ways. You see something that happened that's negative. What did you do wrong? I'm not trying to point that out. I'm just saying that's what you should be looking at. And I should be looking at. Not start pointing fingers at others. So the whole approach, even if you had to find um, a source of the Musardika approach, which was more fire and brimstone. So now we know today there's another approach called the Chesidisha approach. Some say it's the only approach today. Because most people are Taneka Shanishbu, and it won't work the negative way, even if there was a time that Musar should be said in, in, in a more harsher fashion. Even if you find, and even if you do, you have to know how it's said and the way it's said, by whom it's said. And that there shouldn't be a tinge of your own agenda and your own personal prejudices and your own personal personality, which then crosses over into the novel Brishusateta category. Kadeshim to you. And again, the litmus test, just look at the effect it has on people. Tell me which approach will work when you speak to someone. An uplifting, inspiring one? Or when you start telling them how much they're going to be cursed and, and, and punished, God forbid, and to, due to their transgressions. Okay. Let us address a few, somewhat of a follow-up, talk about neshamis. I was talking about souls in the previous weeks. Well, we always talk about souls, but specifically, so someone asked the question, what is the definition of a soul, and what is the definition of a Jewish soul? 
And maybe it's a good segue as well, because let's, instead of concluding on a negative note, we'll conclude on a positive note. Rabbi Jacobson, could you please provide a definition of a soul? And while you're at it, to explain also definition of a Jewish soul. Not in the sense of who is a Jew, halachic sense, and not in the familiar nationalistic, ethnic, and ideological or religious senses. How would Chassidus categorize a soul? And the same thing with a Jewish soul. I think I once saw somewhere that the Hasidic definition of the Jewish people is soul-based. I would appreciate the light you can shed on what meaning should be assigned to the other word, to the, not the other word, to the word Jewish in the vernacular. Thank you. Okay. It's a good question because the word Neshama soul is used so much. So let's begin with the Torah itself. First time Neshama is used. God took Vayikach Hashem Lekim Ofer Min Adama. He took earth from the ground and he shaped it to a human body. And then Vayipach Ba'apov. He blew into it. He breathed into it, into its nostrils. Nishmas Chaim, soul of life, which is why Neshama comes from the same word as Neshima, breath, the breath of God. So essentially a soul is the breath of God, a divine breath that's unique to a human being because it doesn't say that on animals or on plants or on birds or on fish or on the celestial bodies of the sun the moon. Even though God created them all and also infused them with divine energy, obviously. Especially as the Alter Rebbe explains in Shai Yechud Vamuna, that everything is sustained all the time simply by the divine word. But here's the breath. As the Alter Rebbe brings from Zayan, chapter 2 in Tanya, that when you blow with intensity, it's more than just speaking. So, the heavens were made with words. With the ten statements God spoke. That was speech. Speech is also a breath, but not an intense breath. means you're blowing from within. From within. Which means there's a unique divine power within each one. And he explains in Tanya. That's like a child. A child is not like a student. A student is a recipient of the intelligence and the wisdom of their, of their teacher. A child is a piece of their parent, the very DNA, the very genetic material. So it's much more coming from the very essence of the divine, that a human being is not just a divine creation, it's a divine entity. And that's why a human being has free will and has the power to transform the world around us. So soul essentially is God's breath. Another way to put it, I explained it in Torah the Meaning for Life in the first chapter, Soul and Body, Body and Soul. Neir Hashem nishmas adam. The soul of man is the flame of God. So now flame is used, flame, like a, like a flame. So the soul is like a flame. Example I often use for it is, think of an author who authors a book. So every word, every phrase is an expression of the author. The human being, the soul, is, the, is God's, essentially, his expression. Now again, all of existence is expression, is his art, is his book. But a soul is his particular, his child, meaning a neshama that has the power, a divine power, to fulfill the purpose of creation. 
So think of a musical note. That's every soul is God's musical note, playing God's music. So when we live up to our purpose, we're living up and channeling and being aligned and channeling the divine purpose in all of existence. So neshama carries that purpose. Each soul has a piece of that purpose and in general the entire purpose of what, why we were created. That's what it, the body is the vehicle. Like the rest of the world is the platform. But who carries the DNA? Who carries the, let's call it, the instructions of the cosmic creator? That's the soul. Comes to a Jewish soul, so he explains in Tanya, something unique about a Jewish soul. But that I'll leave for the next program. I'll do a follow-up. Because the big question is, Adam and Chava, for Adam and Eve are the parents and ancestors of all human beings. And Vayipur Ba'ap of says on Adam, on the first human being, so therefore by effect, in effect, extension, all, all the children and descendants of Adam, including non-Jews. So why is Al-Tarebbe bringing tiny that it's specifically Jews? So we'll talk about that in the next program. And with this we'll conclude um, with Kedoshim Tiyu, Achre Kedoshim, and that's what's unique. We need to sanctify ourselves, sanctify our actions. And everything you do, always think, are you fulfilling what God wants you to do in this world? Are you having an impact on others that they see you, they see and say, ah, how you behave, that wants me to love God, that wants me to behave as well in that same fashion. This has been My Life to Applied, episode 446. We're here every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. Everyone have a very good Chedesh year, a sanctified Chedesh year, and healing Chedesh year, and a Simchadika Chedesh year, the way Simcha can be done in this month, and ultimately coming to from ears straight into the Gula Hamitis Vashlema. Be well and have a good week. This program is brought to you by My Life, Chasidis Applied. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at chasidisapplied.com slash donate.